Hi, I'm Michael, and welcome to Beyond the Screenplay, the podcast where each week we do a conversational deep dive analysis into a film, except for this week when we are doing our top 10 favorite films of the 90s, technically our top 10 of 1990 to 1998. We'll get to that in a second. I'm joined by the Beyond the Screenplay team, Trisha Arand. Hello, everyone. Brian Bittner. Sup, I'm Skillet. And Alex Cayeros. Hi. Uh, okay, so yeah, so we're doing our top 10 favorite films from 1990 to 1998. Uh, and this is for passing our goal of 900 patrons, which is amazing. Thank you, everybody that helped us get past that goal. Um, and so this also unlocks a patron exclusive episode on our top five favorite films of 1999. The greatest year in movie history, obviously. Uh, <laughs> obviously. So that, obviously. <clears throat> so that is available as a patron exclusive episode uh, available right now. So the link to that will be in the show notes. Uh, and at the time of this recording, we're very, very close to passing 1000 patrons. So if you want to help us get past that goal and unlock our trilogy, our Godfather trilogy, three-part series, uh, sign up for our Patreon and you get to hear our top five of 1999, which I am very much looking forward to. Uh, we haven't recorded that yet in this reality, but <laughs> you guys will have it anyway. Um, okay, so we're, we're going to go through our top 10. So we're going to go... Faster. Actually, Brian, do you want to explain the rules? Because I feel like you're the rules master of he of really the top is 10. <laughs> the, the dungeon the master, rules. you might say. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really complicated rules, which is we talk about making our list and then we go from 10 through to one, but backwards. So like instead of one to 10, <laughs> which is forwards, we go 10 to one. Uh, but yeah, uh, 10 to four and then three and then two and then one build build the suspense for for the finale. Right. Okay, excellent. Uh, okay, and so we're going to do a kind of a different order. In the previous ones that we've done, um, I've gone last. And so this time I'm going to go first, and Brian's going to go last. Because for me anyway, it's the most suspenseful. I want to know what Brian's going to pick, because it's probably <laughs> going to be the most different from at least mine and probably Alex's. Uncle Brian was <laughs> alive Brian. at a different time of the 90s, in a different developmental stage, you might say, than yes. the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, speak up. <laughs> uh, okay, well, yeah. So let's go around and say, well, like, what what was our criteria for putting together our list? And so for me, as kind of always with this, it's usually what movie do I want to watch right now? Like, if someone was like, "Let's watch this movie," I would say, "Yes, I am definitely into that right now." And it was hard because the 90s, there are a lot of movies from my childhood that were definitely my favorites. If you would ask me in the 90s, like things like The Lion King and like Jumanji and things like that would have been on my list. Mm -hmm. uh, but I or or even like, you know, Space Jam. But I had to, you know, cut those because wow, you might not Space be Jam? super. <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack to Space Jam is a whole Space it's your Jam. Game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that's kind of my criteria. Is like, what are the movies that to this day I still want to watch? Because like, oh yeah, they're still good movies. Uh, so that's me. Trisha, what's your criteria for your top 10 list? Ooh, this is really hard. I mean, I complained about this little <laughs> dumb exercise that we do like every time because i don't know like i just feel like i'm such a fickle person that this changes all the time so like either one of the previous two episodes that we did i feel like if you go back and listen to them they would be different now for sure and the one from the the aughts was not that long ago i feel like i might pick different movies today mm -hmm. that being Same. said um i i strove to be as honest as i could about movies that i still just really love i had to cut a lot of movies my initial list had 32 movies on it <laughs> and that was for some reason too many to discuss in an episode <laughs> and so i just cut a lot of them a lot of the, th the ones that i ended up cutting were like multiples from the same filmmaker so I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I, I probably should only limit it to one of this particular filmmaker. Um, I cut it down to one animated movie, which was hard enough to do considering I, you know, the 90s were the golden era of, of the animated film. The Disney Renaissance was the 90s. Um, yeah. so that was very challenging to do. 
And then I also cut a bunch of movies that I really love that would have made me look cooler. And uh, I'm very sorry to say I I just try to be as as real as I could and uh, cut the ones that I know are critically acclaimed and I know are really good and are better than some of the ones on my list. But I cut them anyway. So uh, here we are. (laughs) We're just going to be ourselves today. Awesome. And Alex, what was your criteria? Uh, I, I relate to both of you guys. It was very much, uh, yeah. What movie would I want to just watch anytime, any day, forever, and and then also just yeah, what what does my heart tell me? You know, because there, I also had a list of like thirty plus films, and I was just like, yeah, this is an objectively better movie than this one, but my heart says no. This is in your top ten list. It has to be, and and a lot of where that comes from, I think, is the movies that did influence me. Yeah. yeah, this is a formative period uh, for all of us, but it, but it, you know, on, for us on the like more uh, solidly millennial side, we were like truly children. We were little children mm-hmm. <laughs> during most of this decade. So this is like this is what movies are. Like this is my the idea of what a movie could be and is started from these films in the '90s. So I think it's just a very like you said developmentally important moment for all of us and and so yeah these movies have this this really intense place in my heart that you know there are movies that influenced me in high school and college and beyond but these are like the beginning you know this is like where the love for this whole thing really began so yeah there was no logic involved there was no objectivity involved it was just (laughs) all mixed up with that pure childhood nostalgia yeah, I feel awesome. like especially for those of us that have gone on to, per, you know, uh, pursue a career in film, there's movies here that are just like, this is the reason I want to make movies or like, this is why I write the kinds of things that I write or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so like, yeah, I have a couple of those too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're saying, like we, I began this decade as at age four and ended it at 14 so like yeah you were starting to come online during that and like soaking up (laughs) as much as possible um okay and brian what was your criteria uh yeah as far as criteria goes it same thing i said on like the 2000s podcast which is like what's my personal history to it how good do i actually think it is like objectively as possible what are the themes? What do I think it actually has to say? What do, what do I take away from it? And then just how do I actually feel now watching it? There are movies that I, you know, would watch all the time back then. And now if I watch it, it's like, it's fine. You know, it's like, that was a movie for a for a 19 year old and not necessarily for, uh, I guess not 19. I'm not that old, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing is about age, they say that you're, that your most formative years, the times when you, when the the things that you love the first things that you really love that keep with you that stay with you are from age 13 to 17 right around that time mm-hmm. period so for you guys that's at least split across two decades you kind of have the late 90s the early aughts mm-hmm. but for me it's you know i was um 14 15 in uh basically by 13 i was 13 to 17 from 95 to 99 so right in this whole chunk mm-hmm. which means the 90s is early 90s is movies I watched as a fresh-faced kid and then mid 90s are the movies where I started to kind of get into like movies and these these are smart and these are cool and da 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 and then <laughs> late 90s is me actually kind of adulthood a little bit and like actually st- studying film and what can I really take away from this piece of work so it's just like such a mm-hmm. broad decade for me um so yeah breaking everything down was just completely impossible it's helpful at least that we have 99 split off because then Mm -hmm. that's a whole other situation (laughs) yeah um and i'll talk more about movies that didn't make like specific movies that didn't make the list later but the two things i thought of as like there's no way these are making the list but there are these genres that i loved which were comedies in the 90s so like i love and i loved and still love wayne's world and and Sino man and dumb and dumber and even like ace ventura i probably wouldn't love today but like i would watch that all the time and it's like they're not really going to make a top 10 though but they're movies that still hold a special place in my heart 
And then there's the big dumb action movies like The Rock and Con Air and Face Off and even Fifth Element yeah. kind of fits in this where mm -hmm. it's like yeah. they were nowhere close to being contenders for top tens. But at the same time, it's like, but there's still movies that I love and I can still watch them today and be like, yep, this is stupid and I love it. <laughs> um, and then there are movies, which, again, we'll get into after we after we do the first chunk, but where it was just like, oof, that 11 to 20 where it was just heartbreaking to to not be able to include them. Uh, but we will save that for for later. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully well, we get to some honorable mentions because I have a few of those as yeah, well. Right. I'm you, sure you have twenty two of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, okay. So we're going to begin. <clears throat> Number ten for me is Contact. So nice. Contact, the Robert Zemeckis film, starring Jodie Foster, story by Carl Sagan. Just this great, lovely piece on kind of the false duality between like faith and science. And I love it. And I want to, I wish I was watching it right now. So number 10. <laughs> it's contact. a great movie. Yeah. Trisha, what's your number 10? No, no. 10 Wait, through four. No, speed, no, no. You got to go through them. Lightning oh. round. 10 through four. Yeah. Brian, Brian, Brian didn't like really clearly lay out the rules earlier. Yeah, he didn't I was, really I was wanting to add well. to it. I'm this like, is Brian, our third time doing this. <laughs> I know, but you know, you know, is Michael. We did it's, last I don't have a memory. So, so we, we just list out straight away uh, 10 boom, through four. Boom, 10 through four. And then we talk about that as a block. Yeah. Oh, yeah. great. Right. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Number 10, contact. Number nine, L.A. Confidential. Number mm -hmm. eight, Apollo 13. <laughs> Number seven, Titanic. Number six, Heat. Number five, Mission Impossible. And number four, The Hunt for Red October. Damn. Nice. Mm. It's very solid. I feel pretty that good about That is an incredibly this. manly list, Michael. <laughs> it is. Like, why are all Titanic like... in there, but like, that's a really masculine list. Very strong. <laughs> very dad. <laughs> putting this together yeah i'm like why are all the sort of like crimey like hyper masculine movies that i like from the 90s but like i don't know it's just they made a lot of they made movies that they don't make anymore in the 90s yeah. obviously mm -hmm. like things like heat or la confidential just like really cool crime dramas like don't yeah. exist anymore uh and i just love them so much and apollo 13 is all it's yeah there's some there's some good movies in the '90s. So, so this is a really solid list of movies we have not podcasted about too, for the most exactly. part. Exactly. So, yeah. Stay yeah. tuned for 2022. Let's do Love it. it. Let's do I it. I want to talk about contacts. That'd be fun. <laughs> Me too. Uh, okay, Trisha, give us okay. your ten through four. All right, here we go. Uh, number ten is Silence of the Lambs. Number nine is The Crucible from 1996 mm. with Daniel Day Lewis, Winona Ryder, and Joan Allen. Right. Um. I can circle back to it, but it's really one of my favorite. Well, it's here's the thing. It's one of my it's one of my favorite plays ever. Maybe my favorite play. Arthur Miller. And yes, Arthur Miller. Also, the screenplay was written by Arthur Miller. He adapted his own play into wow. the movie. And it's just like a killer adaptation, really well directed by Nicholas Hitner, um, who also who was a great, amazing theater director and also gave us Center Stage, one of the most wonderful dance movies ever. Anyway, so The Crucible is just, it, it's a really amazing adaptation if you are a theater fan and theater person, but it, it just checks a lot of my boxes. Anyway, number eight is Boogie Nights. Number seven is Mulan. Number six is The Big Lebowski. Number five is Trainspotting. And number four is Before Sunrise. Nice. Nice. These are these yeah. are fun lists because they're not really that overlappy so far. I know, yeah, yeah. This so like the top three might get there, but this is this is very diverse. So many of Michael's movies were like honorable mentions for me, though. Like, mm, right. lots. Like, I I wanted to put Titanic on my list because it completely rules. But I was like, can I put? It's like my favorite, isn't it? Everybody's favorite, isn't it? Just like <laughs> that the it's most like pizza. favorite yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had a feeling that your list and my list, Trisha, would have either like a lot of overlap or exactly what's happened here where it's just like we substituted last minute the different ones but like yeah. all of these should be on the list yeah yeah obviously yeah yeah, yeah. awesome okay alex 10 through 4 all right this is this is fun because it's so different from your guys's list <laughs> i love it let's go all right Number 10, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Wow. No, stop it right now. <laughs> Number nine, Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. Number eight, Babe. 
the story of the pig. What's happening? This is my so this, is, this is my from the heart list, you guys. Oh, that'll do. This is not this is not about looking cool. This is my heart. I love uh, it. Number seven, Groundhog Day. Nice. Number six, the thin red line. So good. Number five, Independence Day. And number four, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Nice. Nice. Really good. I yeah, wow. I like it. I like that we yeah the collective list that we're making is like so great i'm so excited because like to podcast about all of these <laughs> yes, Maybe yes not austin powers i'm sorry i mean we could it was definitely a formative uh movie kind of thing but yeah mrs doubtfire and babe and independence that like all like really great yeah like favorites of of the childhood era I have not watched Austin Powers recently, but I feel like the first movie I would still absolutely love a lot. <laughs> but maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> right. <laughs> will we see? Maybe we'll never know. Maybe, maybe no, I'll never no, watch. No, 2,000 we'll patrons. <laughs> Three-part <laughs> Austin Powers. <laughs> oh, my God. And then we write the script for Austin Powers 4 as a Patreon-exclusive episode. <laughs> that sounds great. Incredible. Write it down. I watched Austin Powers so much. <laughs> Fascinating. I wasn't allowed to see... Austin Powers when it came out. Mm. I had to sneak a VHS from the neighbor and like watch it like in secret. I remember my mom like coming home and us like racing to pause it and she's like, what are you watching? It's like nothing. Not good at lying. My parents were, were weirdly <laughs> wow. cool with Austin Powers, maybe because it was like the, you know, the James Bond satire aspect of it, but uh, they, they were super into it too. So it's it was, fairly tame. Yeah, it was a family the, yeah. affair. I mean, it's mostly dumb. Yeah. You know, yeah, rather than like there's like offensive. sausage, you know, jokes and stuff, but it's not <laughs> yeah. like super racy. <laughs> Listen, I was a classy child, okay? <laughs> Slum with any of that. He's Play like, Mom, I want to watch Contact again. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Um, okay, Brian, give us your list 10 through oh, 4. Oh, Lord. All right. Um, number 10 is Jurassic Park Terminator 2 Days to Confuse and Silence of the Lambs. You can't wow. do that. Yeah, no, no. That get sounds out like here. feeding, Brian. You can't uh, do that. Silence of the Lambs, number 10. This oh. is just like the hardest for this list is just like what doesn't make the list. Yeah. Uh, all right. 10, Silence of the Lambs. Nine, The Big Lebowski. Number eight, Train Spotting. Number seven, Swingers. Number six, Lost Highway. Uh, number five, Natural Born Killers. Number four, American History X. Nice. We finally have a little bit of overlap. Well, Alex and I usually have a lot of overlap with like the feel bad movies, but apparently this decade was where that started for me, but not yet for Alex. I mean, <laughs> he's I was watching a child. Babel, I'm watching like, yeah, Natural Born Killers. <laughs> See, you haven't said some of the movies I know are going to be on your list, Brian. So this makes me even more certain I have a, a read on maybe a couple of your top Interesting. Three. All right. Hmm. But yeah, it's like. Ugh, I don't. I don't even want to talk about the other. But like, Fear and Loathing, Fargo. I love Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Twelve Monkeys, yeah. Aladdin, Pulp Fiction. Like, there's just so many where I'm like, these are movies that I love. But again, it's just sort of what if I if I don't make it on the list, am I heartbroken or not? And like, okay, I can I can do without that one, but I can't do without this one, except for Jurassic Park, Terminator Two, and Dazed and Confused, which, as far as I'm concerned, are all. They're just they're in the sidecar next to the list. <sighs> See, you had the brutal. same problem yeah. that I had with Fargo and the Big Lebowski, right? Because I just had I had to pick Lebowski, but it's like how, how can I, I don't, Cohen problems? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so now I'm I'm very curious to see. I thought I had a good read on top three, and I think I I still do for Trisha and Alex maybe, uh, but like Train Spotting, I would have like expected to be higher for you, Brian. Maybe just because that's like the one '90s movies that we. Well, no, we've talked about Big Lebowski and Silence of the Lambs. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, Train Spotting was almost not in the list, and then the more I thought about really? it, I was like, no, it's on, and it's not at the bottom. But yeah, it was one of those sort of that sea of 10 movies where I'm like, what actually makes the bottom of the list and what doesn't quite. Right. Okay. Well, so now we're going to do one by one, go around, all share our top threes, and then share our top twos, and then share our number ones. Right? Yes. yes. This brand new format. <laughs> yeah, correct. That is correct. how we're doing it. <laughs> Now I question everything. Um, okay, so oh, this is fascinating. Oh, I might have switched. Okay, anyway, so my number three is Groundhog Day. Nice. Very uh, nice. 
It's just, it's so good. We made a video about it. We did a podcast about it. It's just one of the best movies ever made. I remember loving it as a child for the fun Bill Murray-ness of it, and then appreciating it more and more as I got older and all the just, wow, this is still good. This is still good. Oh, wow, this is going to be good forever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know what more to say, but Groundhog Day, number three for Michael. The movie I forget is the 90s, cause maybe just because of Bill Murray or something, but there are certain movies, like, you know, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. There are movies that you just assume are 80s movies, but Groundhog Day is like right. it's 93. It's like a good portion into the 90s, but I just sort of like lump it in with 80s comedies in a weird way. It kind of feels out of time in a weird mm -hmm. way also. <laughs> Just makes sense appropriately yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right okay trisha what's your number three so my number three is run lola run nice. um, Whoa. which is like far and away one of my favorite movies of all time uh and i i, I just love it so much it was so influential on me and like um you know it's an it's fundamentally an action movie i guess but, you know, it's kind of doing like experimental film things where like parts of it are animated and it has this really unusual structure. And why do I feel like Michael hasn't seen it? I'm like quite sure he has. Wait, you didn't see it, it back because that was like in the Matrixy times. Look at his like, all that hat. People he hasn't were seen like it. watching cool. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to see like movies still. I had to see a lot of those like even like late 90s. You weren't allowed to. No, um, PG-13 or under. Michael, right. let me tell you what Rommel the Run is. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen parts. Like, I know of it. I know generally about yeah. it. Um, anyway, it, you know, <clears throat> it's just, it's a crime movie. It's an action movie, but it has all of these other, like, really amazing techniques in it. Franca Potente is a goddess at all <laughs> times. Her look is incredible. I've dyed my hair so many times trying to get it that exact color, and you just can't. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I don't know. There's so much about it that I just really love. It's a love story also, you know? It's kind of this, um, yeah, action, crime, love story thing that's also just, like, what a thrill ride at all moments, and you can never guess what's going to happen next. It's just really great. I don't know. I saw it at a really formative time, and I'm obsessed with it. So uh, uh, I'm not naive enough to hope that we will someday do a podcast on it, um, but I, I really would love to sometime. I just think it's a fantastic film. I'm open I'm down. to it. Yeah. Wow, thank you. Great. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I haven't seen it since like the, the early aughts or something, so I right. definitely love to watch it again. I feel like as a signifier of how like the 90s brain that I have, every time I hear Run Lola Run, I'm like, oh, Lola, like Lola Bunny from Space Jam. Um, wow. So seeing the movie We're very to different people, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> probably be good. Yeah. It's Lola Bunny. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Number three, Run Lola Run. Alex, what is your number three? My number three is Titanic nice. because nice. it's just undeniable the impact it had on me. It's just, you know, we've talked about Titanic on the podcast. It, it just keeps getting better, honestly. It, I mm -hmm. there, there was there's been all these waves with Titanic where it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's you know, it's it was it, it was obsessed with it. It's, you know, for teenage girls. Oh, it's, it's kind of dumb. You rebel against it. And the more I've revisited over the years, the more it just holds up as just this Hollywood epic, this wonderful, just immaculately made, immaculately, you know, uh, put together big three hour Hollywood epic. And I just I just love a good Hollywood epic, you know, and it's just it's just amazing how well this movie still holds up today as just one of the best. Uh, so so, yeah, I just I, I it was a huge influence on me at the time. I rode the wave of the backlash and was like, yeah, I don't like Titanic. And then mm -hmm. I came all the way back around to be like, no, this is one of my favorite movies ever. And it, it needs to be in my top three because it's just that it's that big in my cinema development. Right. As we were like three quarters of the way through the Titanic podcast, I had this sinking feeling that I was just like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, wave this is thinking. Just wait. There's there's so much more coming. This is just the tip of the iceberg of these. <laughs> What's the impeachment process for getting someone kicked off the podcast? <laughs> just need to know. Um, anyway, I just had this. I I just had this feeling that we shouldn't have tried to tackle it in just like a normal one hour long episode, like. 
maybe sometime we can revisit it or there's got to be some kind of titanic clause or something clause <laughs> or something so i don't know and just really get into it more because i just feel like there's so much in it that is so triumphant and like worthy of praise it is so good there's i mean it came out in 3d so we could do a podcast on titanic 3d also and that could we could love it. it that way can it we make the really, video podcast really 3d don't say things that are going to make me do stuff that you're going to regret. Not again. <laughs> Don't pull that ring on me. Um, okay, great. So Titanic, number three for you, Alex. Brian, what is your number three? My number three is Goodwill Hunting, uh, which, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because it was not a movie back during the time it came out that I called like a, a top, top, top favorite. But like Dazed and Confused, which just missed making the list, it's a movie that I, I liked when I first saw it just fine. But then over the years, it continued to grow on me. And I think that's such a cool thing because there are movies, there are movies that do the opposite, which is like, I love this so much. And now I watch it. And I'm like, ah, oh, the magic's kind of gone. And then there are movies like Goodwill Hunting where it just gets better. Kind of like you were saying, Alex, like it just keeps getting better every time I watch it. Um, and uh, And that's just really rewarding and really fascinating and you know the the script and performances are of course fantastic but it just has this like strong mood to it the kind of the Gus Van Santiness of it all with his directing Danny Elfman's score Elliot Smith's songs the New England setting for being a movie that's kind of a straight drama it's still does that mood thing that I like movies to do. So it kind of checks both my boxes of like, I want you to be a good movie, but I also want to just feel like I can live in this world. Mm. Um, so yeah, good one. Very nice. Yeah. An excellent sele selection. I feel like, yeah, the mood is absolutely there and it's just yeah. like beautiful. And yeah. like, all, like, that's kind of maybe even part of the mood. It's just like, there's something beautiful about the mood and like, yeah, that was one of the ones where it, going into making this this list i would have thought that would have been on mm -hmm. mine but i think it was and i've talked about this before but like when we work on a video sometimes it like it squeezes all of the like love for the movie out of me and so by the end i'm just like i am exhausted of this movie and right. i need to take a break and i love that video i think it's one of our best videos um but that's this is me justifying why it's not on my list because it's such a great movie and i'm glad it's on yours <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, touché, touché. As we've been talking about in this episode, the 90s were a crazy time for digital filmmaking. Jurassic Park showed the full potential of photorealistic CGI. Toy Story was the first animated feature-length film created entirely on a computer, and footage was being scanned to allow for digital video editing for the first time. It's even more impressive to think about the technology that these people were working with. Remember that this was a time where the most popular storage format was a three and a half inch floppy disk that could hold 1.4 megabytes. To send the MP3 file of this episode to someone would have required 60 floppy disks. The HD video file on YouTube would take over three and a half thousand. Luckily, today there is a better way to send our files. Massive. Massive is a file sharing service that lets media professionals quickly transfer terabytes of data to anyone in the world over the cloud. With Massive, there are no limits to the amount of data you can send, and Massive has 150 servers worldwide, which means whoever you're sending the file to will be able to download it at a maximum unthrottled speed. Transfers are encrypted so no one but the sender and recipient can access the files, and sending files with Massive is super simple. You don't need a subscription to sign up or a complicated IT setup. Just pay as you go at 25 cents per gigabyte. To learn more and to sign up for Massive, head to massive.io slash beyond dash the dash screenplay. When you sign up at that link, you'll get 100 gigabytes free towards your transfer, the equivalent of 70,000 floppy disks. That's massive.io slash beyond dash the dash screenplay for 100 gigabytes free. The link is in the show notes. Thanks to Massive for sponsoring this episode. Now, back to the show. Uh, all right. Are we ready for number twos? Let's do it. Yes. 
so twos are stressful because there's like this process of elimination thing also that's happening where like on a meta level then it's like oh well that means that person's number one is probably this or that um <laughs> so i'm just preparing myself for your number twos but my number two is jurassic park Mm-hmm. Nice. Whoa. See, see, Whoa. Alex's reaction is exactly what I'm talking about. All right, about. all right. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Jurassic Park, one of the most formative films of all time for any filmmaker. It, you know, saw it five times in theaters at least. It's the best. It's the best. And uh, it's the best. So uh, Jurassic Park is my number two. Well spoken. So, thank you. I want to. I know this is not the last time we're going to talk about Jurassic Park today, but I want to say real quick why it was so weird for me to to think about this for my list it's a movie that i saw back when it came out and loves um but i never like i never had the vhs but i don't know that i've ever even like owned what? a copy of the movie yeah so i didn't who are you <laughs> but, but like, i literally it. took my breath away yeah <laughs> what like you have how many dvds do you have behind you Blu-rays? I, but i wasn't i wasn't like a huge movie person back then i had like a dozen movies that i watched over and over again um and they were horrible you know upsetting movies like the clock like a clockwork orange and one killer so you know and rocky horror picture show and and labyrinth which at least is nice but um but th- so it's like never a movie that I was on constant repeat with, but it was a movie that I saw plenty. But then two years ago, I went and saw the LA Philharmonic conduct the score at the Hollywood Bowl. And I was just so happy. And I was like quoting everything. And my girlfriend's like, I didn't know you liked this movie this much. And I was like, I I, I do. Like, And it was like a movie that even though I can't, I never like actually owned it or anything, I have seen it so many times and I love it so much. But because my history with it is not just like ever since the day it came out, I would watch it every day or anything like that. Then I was like, I kind of can't quite let it be on the list, but I, I needed to share that as like, Hey, I <laughs> love it so much. And, it, and yeah. I thought it was going to be on the list. And I was like, Oh, I can't quite get it there. Wow. Yeah. All right. Fair. Diversity. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> can all be in our top threes. Right. <laughs> I mean, it could. I mean, it could. <laughs> uh, okay. Trisha. What is your number two favorite film? My number two is Mission Impossible. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, high up there. It's great. just so great. Um, it's definitely my favorite De Palma movie. Uh, and it's like one of the best heist, like action movies ever. And it just gave us this incredible action franchise. Like, I think that's another big thing that you have to consider when you look back on it like it's a really well-made movie and just like a a great iconic film because it so is um Tom Cruise is incredible in it and like you know it was he was already a a star but like you know sort of cemented uh, you know a lot of those stunts that he did himself and sort of cemented his presence in film history right like his um yeah sort of a movie star status right and It's also just, but it just like gave birth to this incredible action franchise and like approach to making movies that I can't praise enough. And I just, uh, you know, just speaks to my little action loving heart so deeply. And so it was just very influential on me. It's a really great movie. I would watch it at any point. Like it's certainly any, anytime I see it on, I'm like, oh my God, it's Mission Impossible. Um, (laughs) Emmanuel Bayard is incredible in it. Um, mm-hmm. she's so good. Everybody's so good. Look, Emilio Estevez gets crushed by an elevator. Like it's so, so cool. good. <laughs> it's so good. John Boyd's so evil. Like there's a mm-hmm. fish tank that explodes and stuff. Oh, he's jumping, running. Yes. <laughs> the so slow mo jump. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a joy. Anyway, Mission Impossible rules. Um, most of the Mission Impossible missions Impossible rule. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm sure I mentioned this at some point, but one of my favorite things to do as a kid was pretend I was Tom Cruise at the end of of the first Mission Impossible on the train where he's like holding on. And so I would hold on to like the hood of like my parents' cars and like pretend like that was the train (laughs) and I was going backwards and like love it. So exciting. I didn't even mention John Renault. John Renault was so amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, everybody's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, and the other thing about Mission Impossible is that I think if it came out now, we would 
be like, oh, they did a prestige action movie. Yeah. But it, it was like a prestige action movie before that was a thing. Like, yeah. it's just a well, like, made moody, gritty film that's also a fun action movie. Like, it's so good. It's, it's a real spy movie in a way yeah, yeah. that it, the more it, recent ones yes. are, are more action movies. Right. Yes. Very good call on that. And we still haven't done a podcast about it. I can't wait. Let's go. Yeah. We're working on it. We're figuring it out. Yep. We'll make it happen. Excellent. Okay. Alex, what is your number two? Austin Powers two. <laughs> <laughs> the spy who shagged me. Yep. Um, no, this one's for Vince. It is the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yay. Um, we love you, Vince. Movie. Yeah. And it, it truly is, it has a really special place in my heart because I think it cemented in my mind the ideal, like, Academy movie. Like, this, this to mm -hmm. me was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is like a good movie this is a movie that gives me these like deep existential feelings about life and makes me definitely cry at the end every time with that thomas newman score and morgan freeman yep. voiceover and you know say what to me who yeah exactly yeah exactly <laughs> you know uh get busy living or get busy dying like just mm. all that you know as just a young person uh just you know there's no cynicism so it just cuts right to the core and I mean, the music is like cheating, like that that kind of simple <laughs> Thomas Newman approach to to that heart pulling score. It just gets me every time I I was like double checking today. Like, is this still like up there for me? Because I haven't watched it for a long time. And I just watched some scenes and I was like, yeah, I'm going to cry. OK, this is still up there yeah. for me. Um, so, yeah, Shawshank Redemption. I would love to talk about it someday. Maybe make a video about it someday if we if we were so inclined. Uh, I know somebody who'd be very happy about that. So I'm, I'm done. Yeah, we definitely need to, uh, at the very least, talk about it. And we've intended to for Vince's birthday before, but it's never happened. We but we're going we're, we're to do it. <laughs> yeah, we keep forgetting. Life is hard and complicated. Yeah, we're just waiting to surprise him. Yeah. 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 Um, we always remember. But we will talk about it because I would love to rewatch it. It's been a long time since I've seen it, and I didn't see it in like a great first viewing setting, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I think that's affected my mm. my memory of it so i'd love to see it again mm -hmm. and in the frame was a tall drink of water <laughs> that's not a, too, not a bad morgan that's... freeman <laughs> it's not it's not good either no <laughs> i feel like it's a decent swing more than most people could do yeah <laughs> yeah um okay great so brian what is your number two also the shawshank redemption finally nice. yeah. some overlap between us yeah um yeah it's it's alex said everything you know where a movie like goodwill hunting is sort of a mood movie while also being a solid drama shawshank is just it's not trying to do anything super stylistic or it's not trying to be like it's not even trying to be special it's just telling you a story straight you know and it, it still knocks it out of the park and just it's the joke is that everyone's seen it 10 times because it was on tbs you know for like every day in the 90s or whatever but uh but it's like genuinely a movie that i have sat down and watched many many times and just it always works and it's just like kind of there's no there, there's like nothing i don't have any like crit, critic anything critical to say about it it's i wanted to do a um lfts video about it because it has this really interesting thing where you don't actually there's no dramatic question for the first half of the movie it's just mm. andy is in prison and that's it like he and, and we you know he we know that he is innocent but like there's no escape there's no getting out or anything like that it's not till i think probably the midpoint where tommy he meets Tommy and he says like, oh, I know the guy who did this. It's like, oh, now we act this movie actually has a plot now. So the movie gets away with having like no plot for the first half and is still incredible and still just like so watchable. And you are hanging on to every scene because every every individual mini story, like the guys on the roof and getting, you know, getting to have a beer like uh, or the uh, the record, you know, all, all those mini stories are in themselves so fascinating that you, you're happy to just watch those and tell the movie kind of. Um, eventually takes off in the second half i mean awesome yeah i think just yeah. every every scene of that movie there's so much humanity in that film yeah. and so it's just you know there's something just heart opening about watching it even if nothing's really happening it's still like reaffirming something about like goodness and humanity ultimately uh in in the midst of like really dark bad stuff mm -hmm. um and i think 
there's something in us that just like needs to be reminded of that once in a while. And, you know, the Shazak Redemption, by the end, that emotional catharsis, that music, it just brings it all home in a way that I want every movie to do. Uh, it just it just does it. Cool. Yes. Okay, great. Okay, well, we're down to our number ones. Uh, so for people listening on the Spotify app and for people watching on YouTube, let us know what your top 10 of the 90s are. I don't know exactly how many characters fit in the Spotify app, but fit as many of the movies in as you can. Uh, just do it in emojis. See... There you go. And you can just guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, we want to see your guys' list, so let us know there. Um, okay, time for the final round. Are we ready? Uh I think I know Michael's and Trisha's, and I don't know what Alex's is. It's going to be like really? Bay Pig in the City. I, don't, I well, feel maybe. like I feel like it's all resolved for me except for Brian. Okay. But all right. We'll, uh, what, we'll Brian, tell out. us what Michael's is. Seven. Seven. Nice. Wow. So, Number one. Yeah, I was just. I just love Seven so much, and it's definitely not a movie, obviously, that I would have seen during the '90s, but. From the first time I saw it, I was wowed, and the twist and all the things made me go like, this is such a cool movie, and then I would watch it again and again, and I feel like that's what probably launched my, um, you know, obsession almost with David Fincher is just the filmmaking in this movie, and it's, you know, it's got a lot of the things I love about Fincher, but it's still early Fincher, and so it's it's still like rough and a little grainy, and there's some handheld even at times. Uh, and kind of like what you were saying, Alex, about Shawshank Redemption, I feel like it's a movie that, despite being very uh, grotesque and uh, <laughs> ugly and dark and violent, is about hope and uh, optimism is kind of how I, I've come to take it anyway, of like, by by the end, spoiler alert, you know, a character has changed to decide that something is worth fighting for despite all of the terrible things that have happened mm -hmm. um that wasn't the original ending also that <laughs> probably is worth noting but i don't know there's just something about the you know kind of like what you were saying brian about goodwill hunting it feels like a place like i feel like i'm in this mm -hmm. like oppressive mm -hmm. dirty rainy noir city which i love and yeah i don't know there's just something about it where i could watch it endlessly and we've talked about how that's Weird, I know, but it's, just, it's so pretty, so gorgeous, despite being disgusting. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's basically like a perfect movie, and and I love it. So that is my number one. So. Wow, nice. Okay, Trisha. Surprising absolutely everyone. Yes. <laughs> what is your surprise entry? For Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Next Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> It's just so good. It's the movie that made me want to make movies. Uh, you know, I, I think I told the story on the podcast uh, that we did about Jurassic Park, but, you know, it came out when I was, let's see, 1993, math, seven. Um, I was seven years old and um, I was too young to watch it then, according to my parents. Um, but my sister, who was nine years old, got to go and see it. And she like described every single like shot of it to me and like mm. even had most of the dialogue to like bring me and tell me about. And it was like, it was just everything. I mean, Jurassic Park was just everything in the 90s and it was everything to me. And it was just, you know, I, I basically watched it to infinity infinity like i just watched it over and over and over again and um it still holds up so well mm -hmm. is the crazy part i cannot believe how well it holds up it's almost 30 years old in a couple of years it'll be 30 years old and it looks so damn good it's just such a great movie it's such a good script it's one of the best casts ever assembled yes like it's iconic incredible and obviously all the things people say about it it's like landmark special effects it's like this you know incredible just huge adventure um like thing with these sort of like horror thrillery elements because it's like a monster movie it's so good like it's just so <laughs> movie like it's just <laughs> capital yeah. m movie yes. but at the heart of it it's also like a film like it's it's also like really about something um it's just uh and like 
it's smart. It doesn't pander to the audience. Like it's aimed squarely at the middle of the demographic. And yet it's actually like really intelligent. It doesn't hold your hand about anything. The filmmaking techniques are really sophisticated and like, it's just so good. It's a perfect <laughs> movie. Um, I could talk about it for hours upon hours. So yeah, uh, dress work. Good nice. choice. Thank you. Good choice. For something very different, let's go to Alex's <laughs> number one. Which I realized when I said I, I didn't know what Alex's number one was that he had not yet said. Yeah. Jurassic Park. Uh -huh. um, yeah, just no. It, everything Trisha said, uh, ditto. <laughs> just when it's the right answer, it's the right answer. Like, just 100% everything you said. And we've been mentioning mood. Uh, Jurassic Park is a mood, you know, the rainy T-Rex scene. Hell mm. yeah. Like, I, that's when I knew movies were magic, was yeah. being in the movie theater and feeling cold and feeling like I was in the car with that rain pattering on the roof, feeling that kind of nervous tension of what's going to happen. Like, that movie made me realize what cinema could do as far as just giving me a full body experience. I, mean, I talked about Dune recently and how that kind of returned me to that state in a movie theater. And I think part of the reason why I got so obsessed with Dune you know, for the last week and loved my experience so much was I think it just directly gave me a line back to Jurassic Park, to, to that, mm. those early formative experiences in a theater. I saw it at least twice in theaters, you know, when I was you know, six, seven years old and like that that is the origin yeah <laughs> that is the origin of all of this that's why yes. i am here uh was because of that just overwhelming amazing experience uh so yeah thank you steven spielberg for making this movie that inspired like, like millions of people i'm pretty yeah. sure like an entire generation it's like basically why they want to do anything in the arts or with film uh so bravo i mean it's just people don't make monster movies anymore but it, it's just because he made the best one. Like, I just don't know what, <laughs> right. what better monster movie are you going to make? Like, it's just, they're real monsters. They were real living things. And it's, you know, we don't have very many movies about like sort of this primal horror of like coming up against nature in, in a really terrifying way. That's also not like, you know, a disaster movie or something. I feel like right. anytime we have like a man versus nature, sort of this primal story, it's all like disaster stuff. And this is just like, Oh, it's so good. Like this force <laughs> that we can't understand. And it's so scary. Yeah, there, there's something universal about that. Yeah, like coming up against this thing from nature that you don't understand or you can't yeah. wrap, wrap your mind around or it's like, it's too primal. It's too ancient. You yeah, can't deal old. with it. Yeah. So good. Right. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, there's like hubris also going on. Of course. Of all that. But yeah, like you guys are saying that it's, it's an ancient threat. It's not like some Godzilla. Well, I guess Godzilla in the movies is ancient. Kind of. I don't know. <laughs> but Godzilla's gonna... not real. But it's real. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, these right. actually like, existed on Earth. Right. You know, so it didn't like, look like this, but some version of yeah. them existed. Right. So it's like fantasy monster stuff, but it's real and it's clashing right in front of you and it's executed amazingly. And and you can feel the commitment from the filmmakers to to be as accurate as they possibly could with the information they had at the time right. with the way the dinosaurs move with with just the the look and feel of them and that is part of why it feels special and different you know it's not just a completely made-up alien creature that moves in kind of an awkward cg way these are mm -hmm. like animals that they and they studied how animals move to make them yes and i think so much about what brian has said before on the podcast about like how things that are real will never look worse than they looked when they came out. Mm -hmm. And like the mm. fact that so many of the dinosaurs are actually real or they were like built, you know, like the T-Rex head was completely real, actually built. Like so much of that stuff is never going to look worse. And it looks great. Like it looks <laughs> so good. And it, because you can't, it, you're not, it's not going to degrade over time the way that like cutting edge special effects do. Even stuff like the um, Brachiosaurus, you know, the, the like big, huge wide shot of it at the beginning where it's like, welcome to Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like as good as CGI looks now, but it doesn't look like some of the worst that I've seen. Looks better like, than Jurassic World. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Like these new Jurassic <laughs> Park movies, like what the hell? Of course it is. And the raptors in the kitchen are just amazing. Uh, 
are amazing. You will never convince me they're not real raptors. I just <laughs> don't understand. It's just movie magic with in all caps, and it's it, it holds up incredibly well. I I don't understand how it looks so good, and it's yeah. just. I'm very sad that it ju- <laughs> I just missed making that a bingo for the four of us, but it is yeah, Brian, very you high in my <laughs> not quite on the list. Keep yeah, apologizing. List. Yeah, that's okay. Difference is good. Difference is exciting. Brian. It's Jurassic Park. Sometimes it's incorrect. <laughs> oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Michael is, Michael is doing a thing. He knows what he's doing. Right. Do it again. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Difference is good. Difference can be exciting. Brian, what is your number one favorite film of 1990 to 1998? So different than any of the other answers. Mine is also seven. Oh, oh hey. Oh, right. Of course. Wow. Wait. Oh. I didn't even know what I was doing. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought you were like setting no. up. Like, we look got how like, different we all are. It's kind of like a full house here. We need to ask Vince what his number <laughs> yeah. one is. Yeah. Needs to be one of those two. It's, well, we know what his number one is. That's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this movie, as you were saying, Michael, it's, it's, there's so, it's so tactile. It's like, you can, you can reach out and feel the, the world of seven, whether you want to or not. Um, I've mentioned many times this and Blade Runner are just two movies where I feel like there is just a, such a mood, such a tactile, like experience that's happening. And it just really works for me. Um, and yeah, it's an ugly story, but the, the performances and obviously the directing and the themes, they all just come together to make this horrible, ugly, wonderful, beautiful thing that I, and I also think it was because it was like 95. So I was 13. So I was probably like renting, rent, not, not renting, like borrowing, finding some VHS of it to watch. And even my mom would watch it and she loved it too. She's like, that's one of the yeah. best movies I've seen, which is like a very different experience than most teens have with their parents <laughs> of, with our rated content. Um, but uh, and I think it's also one of the first movies where I was like, oh, you can make something that's both entertaining and has something to say. Because mm-hmm. even if I was seeing Jurassic Park or even a movie like Labyrinth, like at the time, I didn't realize that those movies were actually saying something because they didn't literally say it. And then there are other movies where like the characters are just talking about the theme and it's, but it's like very talk heavy. And maybe my teen brain wasn't ready for that kind of thing. But seven was one where I was like, Oh, you're making a thrilling, entertaining movie, but also your characters are discussing the theme and they are saying what the thing is. So like, I, I can appreciate that from an early age. Um, and uh, and yeah, and it just still holds up. It's just another movie that I can keep watching and just feel like it. It just absolutely works. Agree completely. We're gonna talk uh, about seven, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Jurassic Park again. <laughs> you you can do seven, right? Just you close your seven. eyes during the like crime it. scene part. Listen, I saw it one time, mm. and okay. um. <laughs> there are images that you don't want in your brain yeah, probably stuff that I'd, uh, yeah. but i yes i would be fine we can talk about it do that uh, we'll do run lola run we got okay there's a lot of movies we've discovered that are, are left to talk about and yeah. we'll yes. talk about all of them and we're not even done with the 90s like brian you were saying like as far as movies that made you realize like oh yeah things movies can be about stuff and this and that i was just like it's time to talk about our top five of 99 so yep. we're gonna go talk about the top five of 99 you listener listening to this now it's available it'll be in our show notes you can go and check out what our top five of 1999 is i'm very excited thank you all for listening thank you so much to the patrons for getting us past the 900 patron goal and for supporting the show thank you thank you we love you uh, we want to say a big thank you to our producer, Vince Major, as well. I'm Michael Tucker, and I've been joined today by Trisha Rand, Brian Bittner, and Alex Calleros. As always, our Twitter handles are in the show notes. Send us a tweet and say hi, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.